Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Phil Stringer, worship and creative arts pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires you and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for breakthrough today. We thank you that you're breaking through barriers. You're breaking through obstacles. You're breaking through anything that would hinder our ability to move forward. And so we thank you in advance for the victories that are being won even in this house today and beyond the walls of this place. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated if you're able. This morning, I want to continue on the theme we were on last Sunday. We talked about discouragement last Sunday, and today we're going to talk about stress. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The words of the Apostle Paul, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Wow. Aren't you grateful for that? How do you live in a stress-filled world? How many think there was a little stress this week in our lives? Yeah. How many of you, when you, uh, you get under stress, you eat a lot? I'll raise both my hands. How many of you, when you're under stress, you stop eating? We hate you. <laughs> Just so you know. I brought with me this morning the stress diet. So when you're under stress, here's what you do. For breakfast, a half a grapefruit, one slice of whole wheat toast, and eight ounces of skim milk. For lunch, four ounces of lean broiled chicken breast, one cup steamed zucchini, a cup of herb tea, and one Oreo cookie. For the mid-afternoon snack, I have the rest of the package of Oreo cookies and a quart of Rocky Road ice cream. For dinner, a loaf of garlic bread, a large pepperoni and mushroom pizza, a large pitcher of Diet Coke. You know, got to cut back somewhere. Three Snicker bars and cheesecake. That's been my stress diet, so you can see the blimp is in the hangar here today for me. Here's some rules and tips about diet that are important. If no one sees you eat it, it has no calories. If you drink a diet soda and eat a candy bar, they cancel each other out. If you eat with someone else who eats the same amount, the calories cancel each other out. Cookie pieces. I mean, if you take a cookie, break it up into pieces, it contains no calories. Somehow with the breaking of the cookie, the calories leak out. That's kind of what you do when you're under stress, right? We are a blessed people in this nation. Of all the nations of the world, God has blessed the United States of America. And yet we uh, live with a lot of stress 
Let me give you some observations about it this morning. The first one is that every person has stress in their lives. The only person without stress is at Forest Lawn Cemetery. You can't live in this world without experiencing stress in some way, shape, or form. When my grandfather missed the train, he just came back the next day and picked on up another train. When my dad missed the plane, he just waited until the next day out of town and he took it. Today, if we miss a revolving door, our whole day gets messed up. It's kind of the pace of our society, filled with stress. See, stress can be a positive thing or a negative thing in our lives. Stress itself is not bad, it's how we respond to it. it. Causes some people to break and other people to break records. It's how we react to it. Much of our stress is unnecessary. Here's some stats about worry. 40% of what we worry about will never happen. 30% concerns old decisions that cannot be changed. 12% centers on criticism made by others who feel inferior to you. 10% is related to health, which only worsens when I worry. 8% is legitimate, showing that life does have real problems, but we can meet it head on and deal with senseless worry. When stress becomes strained, it becomes harmful. When we, the stress we have in our lives begins to carry and, and strain at us, it becomes a harmful thing to us. David Stoops in his book, uh, Self Talk, says 40 million Americans suffer from allergies. 30 million suffer from sleeplessness, 25 million suffer from hypertension, 20 million suffer from ulcers. All of it can be the result of stress. The Apostle Paul, of any person in the New Testament, lived under more stress than anybody I know of. And he has some powerful things to say about stress. Let me read you the paraphrase of our text this morning. We often suffer, but we're never crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us, and when we are knocked down, we get up again. Hallelujah. You see, the difference is there are some people that give up and other people who get up. I want to give you seven principles this morning on how to handle stress in your life. Somebody write this down just in case it's important, okay? Here's the first one. If I'm going to handle stress in my life, I have to develop a proper perspective. A perspective is the ability in the present moment, looking at an event, and understand that that moment has larger context. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he says, I have not reached my goal, and I'm not perfect. Well, those two statements sound negative. But here, picture changes. He says, I'm not perfect, I've not reached my goal, but Christ has taken hold of me. And he says, that's what changes the whole picture, because I see it from a different perspective. When I look at it from my own eyes, I get discouraged. But when, when I recognize Christ has taken hold of me, and I recognize that, that he not only knows this frame I'm in right now, but he knows the beginning from the end. He knows the entire picture. Aren't you grateful this morning that the Lord that you serve already knows what's next week and next month and next year? He's already been in, there in the next week and the next month, and he's able to take care of us and provide for us even in our tomorrows. But we see it right here in front of us. That's all we can see is what's happening right now. 
And so often we make bad decisions because we lose perspective based on what we see at the moment, not recognizing there's a bigger picture here. How many in this room this morning have gone through a difficult time or a challenging time in your life and you look back on it and you say, wow, God was doing something in the middle of all that. God was at work in my life in that situation. How many, how many could testify that's, that's what's happened to you? Absolutely, because you couldn't see the big picture and yet you were willing to trust God with what you could see. I have a statue I've had in my office over the years of uh, Joshua and Caleb. You know, one of those Olivewood statues from them coming back from, uh, from the promised land and they have the, the grapes that they got in the promised land. And, and uh, uh, so I've got that statue of those two guys with, those, with the grapes, remember? Those are the two guys who said, God's with us and we can do this, right? Anybody remember the names of the other 10? There were 12 spies, right? So I've got that statue of those boys right there by, by my phone. Because every time I get off the phone as a pastor, when somebody's explaining life to me in a new way, I look over at those two guys and I say, hallelujah, there's another report than the one I just got. It doesn't take but two or three people to make you lose perspective. It doesn't take but one post on Facebook to cause you to lose perspective. Come on. And when you lose perspective, you start making bad decisions. What I, I work with pastors all over this country, and I say to them, if there's one gift I'd like to give every pastor in the world, it's godly perspective. Because we live in the midst of situations and crisis and, and stressful things that are going on all around us, and it's so difficult not to make decisions based on what's right there. You see, the Lord has promised His grace is sufficient for today. His, his mercy is new every morning. You don't have grace for next week yet. So stop worrying about next week. You got enough grace for today. Sufficient today is the evil thereof. So we, we recognize today that, that if we're going to be a, a person who lives with, without all this stress in our lives, number one is we've got to have a godly perspective and know that the Lord has a bigger picture that he's looking at, and even though things may look bleak at the moment, that's just one frame of the entire picture of your life, and it's gonna get better because you serve a God who is bigger than any circumstance you have. Come on, somebody. It's just a moment, just a window. Number two, if you're going to live without stress, you gotta be willing to give up your rights. That's a tough one. Philippians 2, don't be jealous or proud, but be humble and consider others more important than yourselves. Care about them as much as you care about yourself. And think up the same way that Christ did. He was truly God. He gave up his rights, humbled himself, and became obedient unto death. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. All of our stress, almost all of it comes in our lives when we begin to put ourselves above others and demand our rights. We begin to draw lines on the sand. We begin to play comparison games. We have a pity party. And out of our mouth comes things like, it's just not fair. All because we're holding on to our rights. And because we hold on to our rights, 
There are a lot of destructive emotions that flow out of that. One is resentment. It will kill you. Bitterness. Anger. I fly a lot. I, uh, I have two million miles on Delta Airlines. I have a million six on American Airlines. And you know what that means? That means I don't have a life. I've got stories of what happens on planes, and some of you do too. But a few months ago, I was on a plane when a fist fight broke out between two businessmen. I mean, these guys looked like they were clothed and in their right minds. But they got into a fight, and you know what it was over? Overhead luggage space. One guy said, that is where my suitcase goes. Get your suitcase out of there. Your seat is over here, sir. Move your suitcase. And the guy said, I ain't moving my suitcase. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it got ugly over overhead space. You know why? Because I demand my rights. What a simple, ridiculous thing. How many things have you ever fretted over that had meant nothing? The overhead space doesn't mean that much, does it? Just recently, I was on the plane and uh, they've, they've got things so tight now between the seats. If somebody lays their seat back, they're in your lap. And it's not comfortable. So this one guy, he pushes the button after we take off and he lays his seat back and, you know, just laid right back. And here's this guy right behind him. He was just a little bit uh, heavy and so that... That seat almost touched his belly. And he said to the guy in front of him, pull your seat back up. And that guy said, I don't think so. I have a right to push my seat back as much as I And so we got into a fight here. I thought there was going to be blood on the carpet over this. And the other guy, I mean, these are, these are people dressed like they, they have, have a good mind and heart. The guy sitting behind him crouched up on his seat and put his feet on the back of that guy's seat and pushed it for an hour and a half while we flew. I'm not, you can't make this stuff up. Because I have my rights. What Paul would say to us today, give up those rights. Stop trying to fight over everything. Stop trying to protect your rights. Because if you're a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, you just, you let those things go. You give up those rights. Number three, if you're going to live without stress, you have to reprogram your mind. If you're going to handle stress effectively, you need to get your mind thinking in the right direction. So many Christians allow so much to, to be, of garbage to get into their minds through through the social media and other, other places. And your mind begins to determine what you become. There's so many people today that are victims of their minds. One of the examples is the children of Israel. They were delivered from Egyptian bondage, crossed the Red Sea, and a 40-year journey in the wilderness, which was only supposed to be for 11 days. But here's the problem. God got them out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of them. 
It's called stinky thinking. There are a lot of Christians that have stinky thinking. They see the hole and never the donut. And if today you've analyzed this sermon so far and you don't think it's very good, I'm talking to you. Paul says, finally, my friends, keep your minds on whatever is true and pure and right and holy and friendly and proper. Think upon these things. Zig Ziglar, a man uh, who's a motivational speaker, wrote a lot of books back in, in the 60s and 70s. He tells the story of his brother, Jeff. They grew up very poor in Mississippi, and Jeff's mother would come in the bedroom every morning at 5 a.m. and wake him up. His job was to go outside in the cold and get a fire started with wood and coal. Every morning, his mother would walk in the bedroom, open the door, and say, Jeff, this is going to be a great day. He would wake up with those words every morning. He would get up in the cold and do the chores, and he hated it. One day, his mother walked in and said, this is going to be a great day, Jeff. He looked at her. It was cold, and he was tired and sleepy, and he said, no, Mom, this is going to be an awful day. I'm tired, I'm sleepy, and it's cold, and I don't want to get up. I'm going to, it's going to be an awful day. His mother said, okay, sweetheart. I didn't think you thought that way, but that's okay. If that's the way you really feel, just stay in bed, pull those covers back over you, and go on back to sleep. She walked out of the bedroom. He's under those covers, and he's thinking, why didn't I think of this before? <laughs> he sleeps a couple of more hours. About 9 o'clock, he wakes up. By this time, the house is warm. Mama's in there cooking breakfast, and he can smell the bacon and the eggs. He gets out of bed, walks to the table, sits down. He says, this is wonderful. The house is warm. I'm hungry. I'm ready for breakfast. She said, oh, sweetheart, you don't get breakfast today. You remember when I walked in the room and you said, it's going to be an awful day, honey? As your mother, I'm going to do my best to make sure it's an awful day for you. <laughs> she said, you just go back to bed, and you just sleep in bed in that bed. In fact, don't come out of the bedroom today. You don't get anything to eat. Just stay in that bed and sleep as long as you want. He went back to the bedroom, slept another hour or two, and after a while he had all the sleep he wanted, and he, he said, by the afternoon, he said, I was hungry. It was the longest day of my life. He said, that night, I'd like to have gone to bed, but I had slept half the day, so I was up all night. And he said, about 5.30 a.m., I was on the edge of my bed, completely dressed, Mama opened the bedroom door and I pulled out my arms and I said, Mama, it's going to be a great day. <laughs> People sit around during this pandemic so often, sit around and mope and talk and get up on the wrong side of the bed and grumpy and somebody says, you know, what's wrong with you? Well, I just got up on the wrong side of the bed. Isn't that a crazy way of demonstrating your poor attitude? As a man thinketh, so is he. And during these days, as Christian believers, we have to refuse to let our feelings, as we talked about last Sunday, dictate who we are. We do what is right, even though it doesn't feel like it. We do the right things and know that God will honor us doing the right things. Paul is saying, get your act together mentally. Think on right things. Reprogram yourself. Get, turn off the television. Turn off Facebook and Twitter long enough 
to get into the Word of God and think on those things, think on what's pure, think on what's positive, think of what's a good report. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your mind and heart through Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody needs this. If you're going to live without stress, number four, if anybody's writing this down, you gotta invest in other people. If you really wanna handle the stress issue, begin to pour your life into other people. So I talked with our staff a couple of months ago, we made a decision that for our church, November would be a month where we gave to the city, where we blessed people, that we ministered to people who were less fortunate than us. And, and our team has put together an incredible journey for us this month. If you miss it, God, God forgive you for missing out on either contributing or signing up over there at, at the end of this service or going online and signing up because every one of us need to serve somebody else during this pandemic. Yeah, the amens are drowning me out here. I said, everybody needs to serve during this pandemic. But I don't feel like it, Ron. That's why you need to do it. That's why you need to do it. Well, I'm just feeling depressed. Go do it. I'm just really feeling down. Then go minister to somebody. Serve somebody. Help somebody. Minister to somebody. If you want to deal with stress, the release comes as I find the joy. 75, 80 of our folks this past Saturday found the joy of serving other people. I want to tell you what, they, they will testify to you. It was just enjoyable and fun to be doing something for somebody else. It wasn't stressful at all. You know what's stressful for me? Taking out the garbage. Serving somebody doesn't stress me out at all. Number five, I'm moving quickly. If you want to be stress-free in your life or stress-less in your life, talk to God about what's going on in your life. We talk to everybody else but the one who can help us. His name is Jesus. His ear is inclined to our heart cry. He knows where you are. This pandemic did not take him by surprise. And he is present there. See, worry is as damaging as swearing. Swearing is taking God's name in vain, but worrying is taking God's promises in vain. There are 30, 365 fear knots in the Word of God, one for every day. And I'm grateful that I can take my burdens to the Lord. I'm grateful that I can come before the Lord with, with uh, my life and my heart and the things I'm struggling with. Driving down the freeway, Got a negative report on some of our business stuff. And uh, I was having a conversation with God. Because somebody really had messed up. And so I'm having this conversation with God and I'm saying, Lord, I'll tell you what I'm going to say when I get to that meeting. You ever rehearse what you're going to say? Don't sit there so pious. You know what I'm talking about. So I'm rehearsing what I'm going to say at that meeting. And the Lord just, you know, I'm riding, riding the car. And the Lord just said, you know, well, you go ahead and do that. And you're going to make this worse. Go ahead. If you, go ahead. Keep that bad attitude. And you're going to make whatever's going on here worse than what it ought to be. Aren't you grateful you can talk to God and he can straighten you out? 
I'm thankful. Because you know what? Ron can mess stuff up pretty bad. And he has friends in this room. I'm grateful I can take my burden to the Lord. I'm grateful I can talk to him about what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking and, and all the things that are going on and, and know that his ear is inclined to my heart cry. And if I'll listen a little bit, he may talk to me. Number six, if you're going to deal with stress in your life, you've got to learn to be flexible. Paul said, learn to be flexible. Look at what he says here in Philippians 4, 11, and 12. He said, I'm not complaining about having too little. He said, I have learned to be satisfied with what I have. It wasn't because Paul had, had the right temperament. Paul had a, had a horrible problem with his personality. But be flexible. Be pliable. I work with a lot of pastors and churches, and what happens in many churches is they, they suffer from the hardening of the categories. If you're a perfectionist here today, you have a proud time being flexible. I was uh, in a situation recently where the family was getting ready for, uh, they were just uh, uh, rented a new place, a new condominium, and, and they were getting ready, and uh, the husband was going to come for the first time. And so they're in the condo, and I'm there, and, and, and one, one of, them's, one of the, the, the children's saying, oh, Dad's not going to like that garbage can right there. I can tell you that right now. Uh, that needs to be moved over here. And, and they're going in around, all around this little condo. Oh, Dad won't like that. D -d Dad's not going to like this. I can't wait to meet Dad and smack him. Because if, if the garbage can has to be two inches over here, and the cups all have to be lined up with the holder out, and the glasses all need to be in a certain place in that side. If you're stressing over that, honey, please get victory today in Jesus' name. I know I'm hitting to somebody here. I know. Be flexible. As a church, we want to be pliable and flexible to whatever the Holy Spirit's wanting to do. God, God may want to change direction for us as we get outside the, this COVID, moving in a new direction, uh, finding a, a new pastor or leader to guide us and lead us into the next uh, uh, century of, of the ministry of this church. And we need to be pliable and flexible to whatever the Holy Spirit wants to say or do. Yeah, I just like it like this. Well, you're going to be miserable. Because everything changes. Nothing stays the same. Sometimes we just have to learn to be flexible. I go to churches all the time. I, uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes I, you know, every, every time I go to a new, ch new church, I, I hear music I've never heard before. Because there's so much out there. And one lady said to me, you know that music, I just don't understand that music. It's just too loud and it just, you know. And I said, well, honey, I agree. But here's the problem. What if I get what I want, but my kids won't come to church? What if I get what I want and my grandchildren won't come? What, what have I gotten out of that? Because I want it to be just like I like it, just like I want it. Hello? It's sometimes, sometimes it, it just, I want to talk to all the gray hairs right now. Because I have one, gray hair, one or two. 
at some point it can't just be about you. I said at some point it can't just be about you. It's got to be about your kids. It's got to be about your grandchildren. It's got to be about other people. Hallelujah. I'm so, I felt so anointed when I just said that. Some of us need to get a little flexibility in our lives. Everything ain't going to be just like we like it or want it, and that's okay. My opinion, I'm, a, I'm an expert on my opinion. But that and a buck and a half will get me a cup of coffee at a gas station. You know what I mean? Flexibility. Learn to be flexible. Don't be so rigid that everything has to be just this certain way and just, you know, you're a miserable person if that's the way you have to live. Those of us who are perfectionists understand what I'm talking about right now because I am one. Learn to be flexible. You find yourself in, a, in hurricanes down, uh, down in South Florida. They've got one coming right now. And it's amazing to watch those, uh, those palm trees that, that can endure 70, 80, 100 mile an hour winds and not topple over. And yet there, there's some oaks and some other trees that, that can't take that stress and will topple over. Learn to be pliable. Learn to be flexible. And the last principle, number seven, if you're going to live without stress, you've got to walk in the strength of the Lord. Listen to the words of Jesus. You've tried to carry burdens, come to me, and I'll give you rest. I want, you, I want you to read with me for a moment Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. It's so, so, so important. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Here's what Jesus said. If you've got a red-lettered edition of the Bible, these are the words of the Lord. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. There was a time in my life in ministry just down the road where the stress and the pressure on me was more than I could bear. So much so that I just wanted to give up. And I told the Lord, I'm going to give up. I'm just going to walk away. I can't take anymore. I can't live under this stress anymore. And I found myself sitting on a park bench, Larry Schaffner Park, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And I told God I was finished. Check it out. And he came and sat down next to me. Now, I'm not as spiritual as some of you. God does that with you every hour on the hour. But I can tell you four or five times in my life when I had that kind of encounter with the Lord. And he sat down on the bench next to me. And of course, you know that when, when you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed and having a pity party, the devil brings the balloons and whistles to a pity party, exaggerates it all. And as I sat there and told God I was finished, He's what he said to me. He said, all this stress you're under, 
all this depression you're dealing with, all this that makes you want to quit, just understand, son, you didn't get this from me. This is all self-inflicted. Because of your perfectionism, because of your wanting to do, make sure you do everything for everybody else. And he went down the list for me. And then the Lord quoted scripture to me. This scripture. And he said to me, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So anything else you're feeling, all this other stuff, you put this on yourself. I didn't put this on you. You put this all on yourself. It's interesting, he uses the terminology of a yoke. A yoke is what you, you tie two oxen together and you put this yoke around them and it makes the, give them the ability to carry a load. But if the yoke doesn't fit, then it can rub you the wrong way. It can bruise you. It can hurt you. And what the Lord is saying to all of us today, my yoke is easy. It fits. And my burden is light. Come on, somebody get this. So we need... What you need to do today is discard anger, resentment, bitterness, and every other emotion that didn't come from him. Because in these days, the yoke that we're connected to cannot be our own. It's gotta be the Lord Jesus. His yoke is easy. And his burden is light. It's pretty challenging when God starts quoting scripture to you. But that day, it changed my life. And I'm here today. We're coming to the table of the Lord in the next few moments. Where all of our past, all of our sin was nailed to a cross. And then the seat there before you are the elements for communion. As we come to the table of the Lord in the next few moments, we're gonna share it together. It's because of the cross of Jesus that we can live free today and whole today. It's because of the cross of Jesus that we can have life today and have it abundantly. As Jesus, 24 hours later, was about to face the most horrible death known to mankind. He met with those disciples after dinner and said, fellas, this bread I'm breaking right now represents my body that's broken and will be broken the next few hours for you. Take and eat of it. So if you'll peel away that top layer.
We hold the bread in our hands. He said, my body is, broke, is broke, gonna be broken so that yours can be whole. And we come today to acknowledge what Jesus did at that cross for us so that we can be free and whole today. So Lord, as we take of this bread, we acknowledge that you are life. You are the sustenance of life. You are the bread of life. All that we have need of, we find in you, Jesus. And so we take this bread today, acknowledging your body was broken for us, that ours could be whole. And we receive it now in Jesus' name. Let's take the bread together. Then he took the cup. I want to invite you in the next few moments all over this room to ask the Lord to cleanse your mind and your heart and your thoughts. There's so much can attach itself to our lives during these days. And I need the Lord to cleanse my mind and my heart afresh from those things that would so easily beset me. and acknowledge my past has been forgiven. When I try to bring it up, he doesn't know what you're talking about. Aren't you grateful for that? And I receive the magnitude of his forgiveness today. And because of that, I can forgive other people who I've hold unforgiveness toward because of what he's done for me. So Lord, we take this cup now with thanksgiving. Let there come a fresh cleansing of your blood in our lives. Cleanse our minds and our hearts today, Lord. Make us new in you, I pray, as we take this cup now in Jesus' name. Let's take it together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together all over the room. Can we stand together? 